Support for Charlotte Readers Podcast is provided by Charlotte Mecklenburg Library, a connector of readers, leaders, and learners with 20 locations and a 24-hour online presence at cmlibrary.org. Welcome to the April edition of Charlotte Readers Podcast, where authors give voice to the written words. A proud member of the Queen City Podcast Network and the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. In this episode 290, we visit with USA Today bestselling author Maureen Miller, author of Frozen Agenda, a high-risk agenda novel. A strange coin leads two strangers on a daring journey to an uncharted island because someone is being followed and it has something to do with the coin. Archaeology professor by day and collector of coins by night, Zach Selman, was puzzled by this piece of silver and concerned about the old friend who sent it. Art graduate student Gretchen Rice was engrossed in studies when an armed man appeared in the library and threatened her, demanding to know where's the coin. Zach and Gretchen collide in the hallway and encounter the pits them together in a race to determine the origin of the coin. They are being hunted, they are falling in love, and their only recourse is to rely on each other and embark on a daring journey to an Arctic island that is not supposed to exist. Maureen writes romantic suspense in young adult books, including the Beneath, Beyond, Blue Ink, High Agenda, and Victory Cove series. Before we jump into the uninterrupted interview today, I'd like to thank you for spending some of your valuable time with us. We very much appreciate it, uh, and thank you for being here. I'm your host, Landis Wade. I'm a recovering trial lawyer turned author, turned podcaster of books and stories, and love interviewing authors about their books and sharing that uh, with you, the listener. A few quick things to know about the podcast. Uh, You can listen to the podcast wherever you like to get your podcast on all major podcast platforms, but you can also get more at charlottereaderspodcast.com. At our website there, you can get show notes on each episode where we share information about uh, the authors who appear on the show. There's a guest list that shows all the authors with links to their episodes. There is a community blog where authors who've appeared on the show or who've submitted to the podcast can share their wisdom and knowledge about writing and book recommendations. And then we have a community vlog where we do some Facebook live interviews. Uh, If you like video, check that out. And then there's the book report you can sign up for uh, at the podcast website. That's where we share on a monthly basis information about the podcast, what's happening, what's coming. And uh, hey, we won't spam you. That takes way too much time. And if you like uh, audiobooks, check out Libro.fm. We have an affiliation with them because they support independent bookstores. And when you sign up, if you use the promo code Charlotte Reader, you're going to get a free audiobook. On the Landis Wade front, check out LandisWade.com. That's where you can find out more about uh, me and my writing. I also have a blog there where I I write about uh, what I've learned uh, from authors and learn about the writing process. It's called Wade Scripts. And we have a newsletter you can sign up for there, uh, the Landis Wade Author Newsletter. And shameless plug here, I have a novel out uh, as of April 5th. It is called Deadly Declarations. It is a novel about a trio of unlikely retirees who set out to solve the mystery of the supposed Mecklenburg Declaration of Independence. That is, if they don't die trying, I'd love to have you check that out. You can find out more at LandisWade.com and wherever books are sold. And now, let's get to the episode. Maureen, welcome to the show. No, thank you, sir. Yeah, yeah. Happy and, to be uh, here. <laughs> yeah, and congratulations on this book here. 
Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah one of many, right? One of yeah, many. Yeah. 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 Um, well, as, as you know, I, uh, I do tend to write mostly romance, but I, I, I spun off to more of an adventure in yeah. this novel. Okay. The high risk agenda series is more adventure. All right. We'll talk a little bit about that. But first a little yeah. bit about you. You, uh, as I said, you're a USA bestselling author who you worked in the software industry for 15 years. You crawled around on plant floors in a hard hat and safety glasses, <laughs> hooking up computers to big manufacturing machines. And now you have characters who hook up in romantic suspense. So <laughs> what, what, what led you, what led you from hard hats and safety glasses to writing novels where your characters get together? They're trying to look for the complete opposite of my life. Right. <laughs> Uh, now, honestly, uh, you know, with that, that career, I was traveling nonstop. Um, so you sit there in the airports and you have such lengthy layovers. And, uh, at, at first I did the, the typical reading books, waiting for my plane and you start to read the books and you're like, well, I really don't like how that one ended. And, you know, maybe I could do this mm -hmm. and I had nothing else to do. I'm just sitting there. So I started writing. And uh, I wrote a romantic suspense uh, book and I didn't know what to do with it. I sent it to the Romance Writers of America and I finaled in the Golden Heart Awards with that first effort. So that kind of hooked me in. That's great. So it's just a form of escapism for you is what it started out? As? That's what it started out as. And I, I did that parallel for quite some time. And then uh, finally, uh, several years ago, just went to writing. Well, now you're in Charlotte here. You told me you've been here about 11 years, but you're still hanging on to a little bit of an accent, right? You come from where? <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. So this is this is what you get get when you combine the South yeah, with New exactly, Jersey, Exactly, right? exactly. Okay. Uh, well, talk a little bit before we get into your current book about the different kinds of books that you've written. You've got a number of different series, which is uh, something that I've uh, seen that uh, indie authors who do well um, – actually try to do. They create these different series so that they can kind of get people hooked into, you know, a series and maybe follow them that way. Talk about the different kinds of series that you've written um, and what drew you to them. Well, um, initially I was, I, I wasn't always am a romantic suspense writer. Um, and I had written for Harlequin initially and they have, um, they have strict guidelines. And when I came to them and said, oh, I've got this crazy idea about this girl who walks out into her backyard with her dog and gets abducted by an alien spaceship. And they're like, uh, uh, no, 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 <laughs> no, no. So that's, that's when you go to the indie side of publishing, when you get yeah. these crazy ideas. So, so you had your start then uh, with a traditional publisher. How have you... Uh, enjoyed, if uh, that's the right word, the transition from doing it traditionally to doing it as an independent author? Um, well, definitely that freedom. Like if I have a crazy idea such as that, I, I can go with it. And the irony is that was the Beyond series and that hit um, so high on the Amazon. I reached 11 in the Amazon store with Beyond. And to this day, it's still doing great, the whole series. And, uh, but no, that does not fit into the traditional publishing world. <laughs> so it gave me that freedom. And then once you get a taste of that freedom, um, most of my young adults probably wouldn't fit into the traditional publishing world. So 
I so you're, that. <laughs> you're saying that the Beyond series, which involved a little more science fiction, actually did better than your traditional series. Yes. Yes. Interesting. So for all those that are listening who are thinking about writing, you know, traditional is, is one way to go. But if you have some ideas that don't fit that model, you can still kind of sell a few books if you yeah. go out there on your own, right? Yeah, because so, there's others like you out there that want to read that. Yeah, that's interesting. Well, from your author website, you say when you're not writing, you're chasing either your crazy uh, dog around or you're cheering for your beloved Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Now, I'm a little confused about this because you live in Charlotte. You come from New Jersey. Why <laughs> are the Tampa Bay Buccaneers your beloved? <laughs> well, now I do have family in Florida and okay. some origins in Florida. So, yeah, you can call me a mutt. That's why my accent is all over the place. Okay. It didn't have anything to do with Tom Brady going to Tampa Bay, did it? No, 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 no. I was okay. a Buccaneer fan when I was a kid. <laughs> All right. Well, you uh, look if you look behind me, I think you'll see a, an old school Buccaneer helmet down there. Okay. I don't know if you can see that. All right. Well, uh, you also say uh, on, on your website that you're not a thrill seeker um, necessarily. Uh, does that mean that you would not necessarily be like grad student Gretchen Rice in your novel Frozen Agenda? who decided to jump on a plane and go with a handsome man <laughs> to the middle of nowhere? No, that I might do. Okay. I would, but I, I wouldn't get on a Ferris wheel. There, there are lines to be drawn. <laughs> Wait a minute. You, go, you go out into the frozen tundra where yeah. you can, you can yeah. die of hypothermia, but you don't want to get on a Ferris wheel. Exactly. And, and that's because of the handsome man? Is that the idea? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> okay. Um, no, it's, now, it's the aversion <laughs> with heights, definitely. I got you. Um, now, you also, uh, in the back of your book, uh, Frozen Agenda, when you're thanking your readers, um, you thank them for reading your romantic uh, adventure. And I'd like to talk just a minute about what that means, because, you know, there was some swooning and maybe some later, you know, off-camera extracurricular activities and Frozen Agenda, but it wasn't your hot, steamy romance where you're getting real great. What do you think of when you think of romantic adventure? Indiana Jones. Uh, yeah, I would yeah. call it. I would kind of call this book Indiana Jones with a touch more romance than mm. than he had. But uh, um, yeah, it, you get uh, from the reviewers. You get people that are are mad when you have too much romance. You get people who are mad when there's not enough romance, like Frozen Agenda. Some of the regular readers are like, "Oh, I just wish it had a little more romance to it." Mm. But uh, I wanted the adventure. And what does that mean exactly? That means that they wanted a little more sex. Is that yeah, what they meant? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, just to be clear about what we're, what we're talking about here. Uh, yeah, because it, that, that's right. When I, I was drawn to this book, because you, you, had, you had pitched another book to me, and I was looking at your catalog, and I thought, well, let's, let's do this one, because as I'm looking at the cover and I'm reading the blurb on it, I'm thinking to myself, this does feel a little bit like Indiana Jones, uh, mm -hmm. because you've got this college – a professor and he's got this uh, specialty and you know of course Indiana Jones is archaeology he's uh, he has knowledge in rare coins but they go off to this faraway place like they did in Indiana Jones but I will say that in Indiana Jones the female protagonist you know she wasn't cozying up to Indy quite as much as exactly. this character was in this exactly. book exactly <laughs> I yeah. still got, I still have to stick to my roots <laughs> yeah, I, I get it. Well, well, let's talk a, a little bit about um, the the plot line here, um, and you know where you went because you've got a globe on the cover, and you, you, 
it reminded me of that scene in Indiana Jones where, you know, the plane is going across the screen exactly. to, the, to this particular spot. Myself <laughs> and this particular spot, that particular spot, you end up in outer Mongolia somewhere or something. Yep. <laughs> well, um, so you've got a college professor and you've got a grad student. So you got that little older, younger, they're going to kind of, they're not so far apart in age, you know, but, but uh, they meet. Uh, there's this mysterious coin. Um, there's this threat to her. Uh, he's missing a friend who happens to be in Greenland. They kind of get together and, uh, you know, they're off to find the Ark of the Covenant, so to speak. They're off to find the answer to what this rare coin is about. And I'm just curious about the what if for this uh, book. Were you thinking kind of Indiana Jones when you when you did this or did something else just come to you like what you said earlier? You know, somebody going in the backyard and aliens, you know, pulling them up into space. Did you just have this vision of taking them to the Arctic? Um, well, yeah, I've always uh, always been fascinated with Iceland, Greenland, um, Nordic mythology. Um, but in this case, I had stumbled across uh, something because, you know, your, our research is across the board. You never know what's going to catch our eye. And uh, there truly was an island that was... Um, documented on maps like uh, between 1500 and 1700 AD that just didn't exist. Two Italian brothers put it on there. Maybe they saw Iceland, maybe they saw the tip of Greenland and uh, they charted it and nobody disputed it. So for two years, this, there was an island that existed. And then one day somebody said, okay, no, that's not there. And now it's gone from the maps. And I, I thought that was interesting. And from that, stemmed frozen agenda and how did you stumble across that yeah just massive research just <laughs> like, <laughs> i mean you know if if uh, homeland security ever was tracking what i'm looking into <laughs> they'll have a field day <laughs> that, that's interesting so you find this story about an island that was on a map at one time but then was taken off the map because they couldn't prove necessarily that it was there and you say okay we're gonna you know, we're going to bring this island, you know, into play in, in this in this book, and we're going to use Greenland, Iceland, et cetera. Um, let's talk a little bit about that setting because uh, I was drawn to Greenland as well. In my third book in my Christmas courtroom trilogy, I sent my characters to Greenland, and mm -hmm. it's kind of a frozen wasteland once you get beyond the capital the, of yeah. Nuck, right? right. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you got to fly by helicopter. You can't, you you know, can't get the, anywhere. Yep. <laughs> the, the fishers. And, and what I'm thinking, I'm reading this book is that these people are going out on a boat to an island in this water that has to be, if you fell overboard, you'd probably die within mm -hmm. two minutes. Um, I can't even imagine that landscape, much less people living on an island if you did find it like that. So how did you get into this, uh, headspace of how do I create an island that people could actually survive on up there? Well, you know, without divulging too much about sure. the, the book, but um, there's very old practices to live so long on mm. a barren island. And, you know, uh, way back when Vikings did it, they, mm. they managed and uh, borrowed upon a lot of that logic and, uh, um, and then I think I, I had talked to you uh, earlier about um, some of the tools for traveling when, you know, obviously I didn't get on a plane and go to Greenland, but uh, 
YouTube, you can actually see some of these small planes try to make an approach to an airport there. You can see the boats making approach. So, so you can really immerse yourself without physically getting there. And a lot of my research has, has turned into that. That's interesting. One of the things I stumbled across in my research when I was doing that third book and that trilogy was the fact that uh, during World War II, the U.S. government uh, built underground bunkers um, that continued for another 10 years uh, into the Cold War where they were going to have missile silos. They were going to store them down there. And then it didn't work out, you know, living underground in Greenland. And yet it's still there underground and there's all probably all this nuclear material. So if global warming ever does melt that, we could be in for some serious yeah. issues up there. Yeah. yeah. And, and you sort of found some of the same things about that landscape when you were kind of sending your care. So they had to dress very warm. You know, it, it, there was this fear of what would happen if they fell overboard and yet they're mm -hmm. chase, chasing this coin and these people maybe, uh, and this island, maybe mm -hmm. <laughs> out there. Um, so why this book? Why did you want to write this book? Uh, because as you said, it's a little different than, you know, where you have a little more romance than not. Um, but it's part of this, what, high agenda. Is that where you're kind of up in the stakes in terms of uh, what the characters may run into? Right, right. And this all started with uh, Jungle Agenda, the first book. And again, with random research, um, that that book stemmed from a tale, believe it or not, going back to 9-11 um, with a bunch of uh, Mayan artifacts that were actually in the customs vault at the bottom of the Trade Center. And uh, they, they found them later. And then it was a big uh, event to try to get them back to Guatemala. And I, I found that story interesting. And that kind of eventually evolved into Jungle Agenda. So that was more, more of an adventure. I'm like, okay, well, now I'm writing an adventure. I need to write an adventure series and then rapid agenda dealing with the, uh, the rapids in, in Guatemala. And uh, finally I said, okay, well, I've spent too much time in Mayan world. I need to get colder. <laughs> and I progressed up to frozen agenda. So it was, it was honestly a, a thought process on where I could go to in the world next. It's kind of fun, you know, pick a destination. Yeah. And do you find, Maureen, that uh, writing a, a plot like this uh, takes more work on your part than if you went back to the traditional romance um, book? Uh, yes. Yeah. There's there's a lot of research involved. Yeah. But, you know, even in a traditional romance book, there's always research you're you can't just say, oh, they kissed for 300 pages. <laughs> you got to have some substance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I had one romance author on. I was asking, okay, when you have those steamy romances, you know, what is the rule? How, how many pages in before they have sex, you know? Yeah. And she says, well, you know, it could be a first couple of chapters, but sometimes you can string it out for, you know, six, seven, 10, 12 chapters, right? Yeah. Well, for the record, I, yeah. I tend to write clean romance. Okay. So All right. I'm not. <laughs> All right. So anyway, but, but a little more than what we got in this book here, right? Yeah. So, all right, well, let's do this. Uh, we like to do a little reading on Charlotte's podcast where authors give voice to the written words. You've picked out, section here i get you know i actually suggested a couple of ones you pick this one uh, of those two and uh how about telling us where in the book we are and then uh whenever you're ready just take it away 
Well, they, uh, um, they've discovered this coin, of course, and they're trying to research uh, the script on the coin. And after a lot of deducing, they, they come up with the name of an island that uh, supposedly doesn't exist. And um, they're trying to trace the origins of that island in this scene that I'm about to read. This is Zach the professor talking to Gretchen, the art student, and they are conferring over a map on the potential of this mysterious island. So Zach began. Ensem Island was charted by two Italian brothers in 1460 and then replicated on every map for almost 200 years before several expeditions to locate the island determined it must have been confused with Iceland. Zach raised the coin, lifting his glasses to inspect it closely. Then how does this coin bear the name of an island that doesn't exist? Gretchen frowned, leaning in for a better look. Maybe it's a joke, a 500-year-old token of someone's sense of humor. Zach reached for his beer and saluted her with the bottle. Interesting theory. I like your perspective. But even if it is a 500-year-old joke, if there are as many as Tim hinted, it's treasure enough to... To search a university with an automatic rifle? Catching his winch, she added, you don't even have to answer that. Zach searched her face for a moment. It lingered so long it could have become awkward, and yet it didn't. Huddled over his desk, close enough to feel his breath dust her cheek, to smell the hint of pizza there, to feel the heat of his dawning presence, it wasn't awkward at all. It was stirring. Snapping his eyes back to the monitor, he cleared his throat. Okay, so we know the etching now. Let's see if there's any record of this coin. He opened another window on the screen. This is a private search engine via VPN. Well, as private as one can hope for. But I don't want any trace of our search being tracked back here. Whoa, I wouldn't even have thought of that. Not like it matters. Clearly, they tracked me down already. His hands hesitated over the keyboard. Maybe you shouldn't be here. In a sudden move, he hauled back from the desk and rose to tower over her from a six-foot-plus height. Serious, Gretchen, you're not safe with me. Gretchen crossed her arms. I'd accuse you of being overly dramatic. It's just a coin, but I understand your concern. The problem is my name is all over the police reports as well. And tonight, the whole reason I'm here, well, not the whole reason, is because I saw someone outside my window watching my condo. The reflection in the monitor was visible in the glasses obscuring his eyes. But every nuance of his frame was taught and prepared for combat not what one would expect from a professor. It's not right, not right that you were part of this. If not me, it could have been anyone in the university yesterday. Hell, the maintenance guy, you know, the one who looks like he paints his head. He could be sitting here right now with you. Zach's tension cracked. He swiped his hand through must hair. You noticed that too, he snickered. The bald spot, it's gotta be shoe polish or something. He smiled down at her. Well, I'm grateful to have you sitting here with me and not the janitor. I love that. Well, the whole reason I'm here. Well, not the whole reason I'm here. <laughs> yeah, she was drawn to him as well. Um, talk about the book cover a minute. You, since you're doing this in, in the author, you create these yourselves. How do you, um, you know, like they say, you know, book covers sell books. Uh, a lot of thought must go into what you're going to do with those covers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I first had the uh, background image, which I really liked. I thought it fit the book. Um, then you need the characters and it, it's always, it's hard uh, finding people that look like what you see in your head. 
But uh, I have an art illustrator. She helped me out with that. She's done most of my covers, but this one I kind of went mostly on my own. Yeah, so what, what we see here, we see um, kind of an island. There's bluish water, but there's a very frozen texture to it. You see some ice floating, and then in the top left-hand corner, there's the globe, and then the two characters. You know, he's this sort of a... Uh, professor-looking guy, handsome <laughs> professor-looking guy, yeah, yeah. With, the, with the glasses and the beard. That's just just so right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, she's looking back at him with her eyes, yeah, kind of kind of fun. Uh, so you have dual protagonists, one male, one female. Is that how you write your books? Yes, yes. Okay. And yeah. uh, in terms of you know point of view, you're you're shifting you know back and forth some. Um, is that how you've always done it as well? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I enjoy both perspectives. Yeah. Um, I, I couldn't remember whether in the romance world, it's typically first person or third person. I guess it's all over the board, perhaps. It's all over the board. And I'm, I've just never been a first person fan. I don't okay. like to write it. Don't like to read it, but yeah. everybody's got their own preference. Yeah, but it's still close. I mean, you're still getting in the heads of the characters. You're just seeing it from a different exactly a, a different point of view. I guess I suppose one thing is if you're writing romance and you're trying to, to see into the thought processes of well, the whole reason I'm here. Well, not the whole reason I'm here. <laughs> yeah, you can't do that as well in first person because if it was in hers or his, then you wouldn't know who was swooning over who, right? Right. Yeah, at least and in the head. And then it goes back to all those uh, traditional public publishing restrictions because they have, you know, it has to be 50-50 on point of view. It has to be third person. You've got all these things regimented in your head. So it's hard to break old habits too. Really? I didn't realize that was the that was the, the trope that you had to follow yeah. for, the, for the romance world. Uh, well, speaking of uh, storytelling techniques, let's, let's talk a little bit more about uh, writing life stuff here. Um, in addition to point of view choices, what other kind of choices are you making, uh, Maureen, when you write your novels? Well, you know, one thing that I, it's, I tend to, to lean towards the male perspective, I don't know why that is, but uh, I, I always enjoy writing out of the male's head. <laughs> And, and what have you found that you liked about that? Um, well, it's a way for a woman to find out what a man's thinking, you know, <laughs> or, or at least control it. <laughs> I, I was going to say, not find out what they're thinking, but put your own thoughts <laughs> exactly. in their head. <laughs> okay. Uh, now There's see so where... much power in writing that people yeah. don't understand. <laughs> There's mind control in romance That's writing, it. huh? Yeah. Um, any interesting or funny stories about your path to being a published author? Um, well, my first time and going to a, a writing convention was, was very traumatic. I, uh, like I had mentioned, I think the first, uh, attempt I made at a novel was nominated for a golden heart, which is a, a big thing. And the romance writers of America have an annual conference and they said, well, you have to come because you're going to potentially, you know, win the category. And it's a big, it's, it's, uh, that Golden Harp uh, conference is kind of like the Oscars for writers. So um, I'm just this new kid and I, I go to, I travel to Denver and I show up in this big hotel and the sliding glass doors open up and there must have been 3,000 women just milling about. And I'm like, <laughs> I almost did an about face that the cab had already left. <laughs> uh. So I was, yeah, I was... Uh, very nervous. 
Yeah, did you have to give a speech or do anything while you were there? You had to get up, yeah, and go up to the podium. And there was there was such again, you know, that that industry is big on their rules, and they're like, well, you absolutely cannot drink before you go up on stage because we don't want any incidents of tripping or you know saying something. So I was fine, but uh, a famous author, author at the time goes up to receive her award and she holds it up and she goes, by the way, I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just wonder, I thought all romance writers drank you know, <laughs> before they sat down to write some of those stories, right? Kind of, to kind of lo- loosen up a little bit, right? Maybe they do, but they're not allowed to at those awards. <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you talk a little bit about your writing process and how it's changed over the years? Um. It revolves around the dog. Okay. <laughs> when I when she goes down, then I could get a lot of writing done. But and that has changed over the years. Have you, are you a nighttime writer or a daytime writer? I'm a first thing in the morning writer. I can mm-hmm. conquer the world between six and ten a.m. Then it progressively slacks after that. Yeah. Now you are you still doing this uh, in addition to? Working because when you started out, you're flying around, you're writing these books. Are you, are you doing more writing now than uh, holding down another job? Or are you doing a little both still? No, I finally, I finally left the day job and uh, went to writing. And um, also at that time, I had opened up um, a website called Just Romantic Suspense to uh, support romantic suspense authors. And that really took off. And actually, it uh, evolved into ch- children's sites, um, as in just contemporary romance, just paranormal romance, and it became known as the Just Suite of Sites and uh, supported a lot of authors that way. But uh, Is that still active? Are you still doing that? That I had to take it down because I just couldn't get the writing done. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> but, just... uh, it, went, it went a long time. It was about nine years I was running those sites. Well, I know how that is, you know, doing the podcasting and trying oh, to find time. I imagine time. you do. <laughs> time to write the next book, yeah. yeah. But I'm, I'm just in the th- uh, throes of, you know, trying to promote the current book now. So Yeah, congratulations. Yeah, thank you. And you're, you're um, when you're writing, are you also promoting your next, I mean, your book that's out? I mean, how do you balance that, the two things? Because as an indie author, you're wearing all the hats, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's a tough uh, thing, marketing. It really is. Um because I'm, I'm the writer and, you know, even now talking, I, I get really nervous that those nerves are still with me, but um, it's, you have to do it. You have to do it. If you're going to go indie, you gotta, you gotta put yourself out there. Hmm. So how many books, I've heard some romance authors write many books a year. What's your schedule for how many books you put out? Um, usually I can manage two a year. That's amazing. Two a year with all the research that goes with it, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, I wish I could do more. There are authors that do much more. I don't know how they do it. I don't know how they do it either. Uh, so um, as we wrap things up here, um, if you could tell your younger writing self, Maureen, something very helpful that had she known it when she started out writing novels based on what you've learned along the way, what would it be? Uh, patience, patience in yourself. Don't, don't, uh, overtax yourself. It's going to come. Um, don't get caught up in that whole marketing thing and, uh, and then rehashing your book 
to death. Oh, the cover's not good enough. The the words aren't good enough. Let me edit this. Let me edit the cover 15 times. Let me don't do that. Move on to the next book. Basically, the more you write, the better. That's that's great advice because, you know, you could be struggling with a particular book. Why aren't more people writing it? Why am I not getting more reviews? Mm -hmm. And you could spend that energy, you know, controlling the next environment, right? Yep, exactly. (laughs) By by, by writing the next book, because I've often told people, they say, well, Lance, how do you sell your first book? And I say, well, you write your second book and your third book and your fourth book. That's how you sell your first book, right? Exactly, exactly. (laughs) Uh, And there are many people out there that just want to read a series. So when you put the first book out there, they're they're not ready, you know, but if you have your third book out in the series, then they want to sit and read the whole series. Yeah, that's good. No, I've learned that uh, from indie authors uh, that, you know, an effective way to sell books is to write a series uh, because if people get hooked into it and if they like the characters in the series, that's important, mm-hmm. right? I mean, one of the things that you've got to write is characters that people can relate to, that they enjoy being with, because if you don't, it doesn't matter what the plot is, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. Before we wrap up, I want to let our listeners know that uh, we're going to be jumping over to Patreon in a few minutes to record an episode for our Patreon channel. This will be one of our new segments we're calling 10 Minutes of Tips about reading and writing. Uh, and uh, listeners, you can go over there for as little as $5 a month and get access to over 120 exclusive episodes, plus these new ones we're putting out. Um, and when you do that, you help me help authors give voice to the written word. So check us out at Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com forward slash Charlotte Readers Podcast. Maureen, what's next for you and your writing? Um, working on a new uh paranormal romance series, believe it or not. So that's a a little different for me. A young woman wakes up on her front doorstep and realizes she's dead. So, and yet (laughs) there will be romance. Romance among the walking dead. (laughs) That's that's interesting. There you go. (laughs) That's what they call real life after death, right? There you go. All right. Well, listeners, you can find out more about uh, Maureen and uh, her books and her series uh, at charlottereaderspodcast.com. In the show notes, we've got links to her, her website, uh, her books, and that kind of thing. So check that out. Maureen, listen, I want to thank you for being a part of Charlotte Readers Podcast. Thank you, Landis. Thank you so much. Well, that's it for today. Another fine author giving voice to the written words. You can subscribe to this podcast for free at Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and most any podcast platform you like to listen to your podcast on. If you like what we're doing, please consider leaving a short written review on Apple Podcasts or the podcast platform of your choice, because when you do, our authors' voices travel much farther and wider in podcast land. And if you're inclined to help us help authors give voice to the written words, and you'd like some member-only content cultivated by our authors and me as our thanks, please consider becoming a member supporter. You can find out how to become a member supporter and more about today's show and all previous episodes at charlottereaderspodcast.com. Thank you for listening. We really appreciate it. I'm Landis Wade for Charlotte Readers Podcast. Charlotte Readers Podcast is a member of the Queen City Podcast Network, powered by Ortho Carolina. For more information, go to queencitypodcastnetwork.com.